What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Ty and Bob Pod here at Go Long, part of our Go Long Podcast Network. I'm here to inform my co-host Bob McGinn that the officials made a mistake last night, Bob. Actually, Michigan lost the game. They found a, a quirk in the system. They're able to retroactively give the win to Alabama. So Alabama will advance to the final. And Big Blue, your Big Blue, the season is over. I know you still haven't seen the result of the second semifinal game. You have it recorded. You're going to check it out soon. Uh, but I, I'm sorry to deliver that news to you, Bob. It's pretty sad, isn't it? So two teams from Southeast Michigan got the green weenie, right, Tyler? That's what you're telling me? <laughs> They're, the football gods are out to get everyone in Michigan. And the Pistons, for good measure, right? Like They, they stick. So no, Tyler, congratulations. Big win. You've got to be thrilled. Massive. Um, my prediction in a discussion with Michael Cohen, who our, uh, our partner, ex-partner, who's covered the game for Fox Sports out in uh, the Rose Bowl. Two days before, my prediction was Bama 31, Michigan 16. I don't run from it, Tyler. I dropped the ball. <laughs> yep. Now, I what would have happened if Florida State gets into this game? You're lucky that the old Seminoles didn't get the nod. <laughs> right. And then uh, oh, the other thing I got to say, this scandal, we've mentioned this on the thing in the past, the sign ceiling, ceiling scandal really rubbed me the wrong way, and it still does. So that has stolen some of the luster from this postseason push for me. Okay. I'm sure you enjoyed Kirk Herbstreak immediately jumping into the adversity in which Michigan overcame to get to this moment, how they all rallied together, Michigan against the world in light of the scandal. Terrible, terrible. But I like you know, I like Kirk's dog, Ben. Yeah, yes, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, the, the 3.5 seconds I think my wife paid attention. I said, hey, look, there's a dog on TV. You're, you'll actually care about this. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's everywhere he goes. You know, it's awesome. Hey, he's no Ed. Nobody can top Ed. We got to get Ed out there. <laughs> Where is Ed right now? Why don't you bring him on camera, Tyler? We should. Yeah, you know what? He made his go-long debut. I made him the background image for our 2023 best of post. Uh, he's huh. doing good. You know, we had a lot of prime rib. So with the little leftover action, Ed... That made out pretty good. He got a few fatty pieces of prime rib. So, yeah. Anyways, there's a, there's a lot to discuss here, Bob. The Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are one win away from the 44 percenters. One win away from joining the tournament in the NFC if they can just take care of business against the Chicago Bears at Lambeau Field. They're in. They're in, which, you know, we like to poke fun at the fact that nearly half the teams make the playoffs in 2023, and you're going to have a begin memory on uh, the evolution of the NFL playoffs later. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, watching Tommy Salami run all over these guys and make plays, and then Baker Mayfield with the perfect passer rating, first opposing quarterback ever to do that at Lambeau, and Joe Barry justifiably feeling his seat reach, I don't know, 400, 500 degrees for Green Bay just to 
go into uh, Minneapolis and embarrass the Vikings. I don't care who's quarterback, Jaron Hall, Nick Mullins, whatever. Impressive. Very impressive. Blowout win. So we'll get into that game. And since we're way too chummy on this podcast, Bob, way too chummy. Somebody told me I had to get my nose out of your ass in the comments. So, well, I just broke up. Are you still there, Bob? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Yes, it's time to disagree. It's time to debate. So we'll get into that. Let's talk a little Brian Gudekins running the show. You think he's an average GM. I think this game shows he's quite a bit above average. So that will be discussed, as will the Detroit Lions getting absolutely screwed by incompetence. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about that, Bob. We haven't discussed the end of that game. That was what I pulled him again with the Lions-Cowboys game. I recorded it, and we wake up with the kids many mornings around 4.35 a.m. So I told the kids, all right, hey, it's a football morning. Bluey's going to be put on hold. Sorry, Sonny. <laughs> Sorry, Ella. And I uh, fast-forwarded through and watched that in the a.m., and I couldn't believe it. I mean, that was not the way you want to lose. Um, many thoughts on that game. And then we can kind of uh, get into anything you'd like, Bob. But All right, let's start with the Packers, of course, because that's why many people are listening to this episode. Initial thoughts, Mr. McGinn. Um, well, let's start with Kevin O'Connell's choice of the QB. Okay. Ooh. I mean, what's he doing? I didn't get that from the word go. I mean, I don't care what Mullins Mullins had thrown for four eleven the week before at, uh, at home against Detroit and three Oh eight or something. Uh, the week before that against, let me get this three. Four eleven at Detroit, yeah. Three eleven at Cincinnati. I mean, yeah, he makes mistakes. He doesn't make as many mistakes as Chris Collinsworth made it out to be. Come on, it's not like every hour the ball is thrown into traffic. The guy impressed me over the years in San Francisco when he had to play. He made about 10, 12 starts. Jaron Hall. So I went back at the draft series, Tyler, that we did in April. I had forgotten what they said about Jaron Hall. He's too short. You could see that in his first half. He's six feet on the nose, 206. He couldn't see. One scout said his was all system at BYU. He's got one read and he knows where to go with the ball. And if he can get it there, he's good. But a small guy with an average arm, if he's not on timing out of the pocket, he just really struggles. No upside. Looks like he's got enough to be a backup. They take the guy in the fifth round. What is this, romper room? Kindergarten time? Come on, Kevin. You're playing maybe get into the top 40, uh, 44% – oh, excuse me, playoffs. And you start that? Incomp- incompetent? Come on. So then he pulls the pin at halftime, but by that time, the, you know, they was down 20 points and it was over. Justin Jefferson should have walked off the field. I mean, it's absurd. All right. Apart from that, Green Bay looked like Tyler – Here's my notes at the end of this game. They look like a team that could beat anyone in the league. That's how good they looked in this game. Their line play, that's what I'm going to talk about mostly today. Their offensive line play, 
they must have really got after them in practice this week. Um, they were incredible. We'll get into the positions. They dominated. They physically whipped the Vikings. It was an amazing display. I couldn't believe what I was seeing from a Green Bay offensive line. And the pass rush came back. That pass rush that had dominated Detroit at Detroit, it came back and uh, and got after a Viking front that I actually think is pretty decent. And all kinds of things. The receivers played well. The quarterback played well. Aaron Jones was incredible. Uh, I mean, other than the kicker missing an extra point, this was a virtuoso performance by Green Bay. It really was. On the road against a team that was fighting for its playoff lives, one hand tied behind the back because of their head coach's decision at QB, but still, they played great. As a uh, as a wise man once said, scared money don't make no money, Bob. You ever <laughs> heard that rap song? Probably not. The, the the Vikings were scared into this. And I don't know. If you're seven and eight and the season's just been this roller coaster ride, starting four different quarterbacks, picking up Joshua Dobbs off the street, throwing him in there, winning a game, he turns into a turns into a pump. I, you, you get to this point, you would think. Kevin O'Connell, especially a, a head coach who does get the human element of the sport, would just go for broke, right? Just go with the veteran. Try to win the game instead of trying not to lose the game. He he always struck me as a head coach who would be in the former category. Like, go win it. You know what you've got in Mullins. You know he's going to push the ball downfield. You know that's what a guy like Justin Jefferson wants. Yeah, he's going to be double double covered, but I live here in Western New York. Everybody here in Buffalo remembers fourth and 18. He's co- covered by two, three guys, just plucks it atop of Cam Lewis, wins that game. I, I don't get it. They 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 were tentative from the jump, and, and that decision can kind of lead lead to everything that you saw throughout those three hours. But, yeah, I, I mean, you put it perfectly. The, the Packers look like a really, really dangerous team at the best possible time. And the Bears have won four or five. We'll get into that game later. I, I don't I don't see how the Bears go into Lambeau and win, given the stakes, given how Jordan Love played against these guys way back when, too. Green Bay gets into the playoffs. If they go to Dallas, I'll, I'd be tempted to take Green Bay. They play so well on the road in these domes, don't they? Like you said, that's where the pass rush turns up. Detroit, Minnesota. Uh and yeah, I want to get into uh, into Gudikins, but maybe I'll launch into all of that when we're talking Jordan Love. If you want to get rolling, Bob. Okay. Have you seen the Bears lately, Tyler? In a full they game, look good. Yeah. Well, they can win at Lambeau, just like the Lions can win won there last year. They are really, I think they're really good right now. The Bears' sweat has changed everything. They've returned to health. I think the Bears are really good. Their offensive line now is solidified. They can definitely win that game. I don't know. what What's the spread, Ty? I haven't seen that at all. Let me guess. I'll say the Packers by – they're going to go too high. Green Bay by six. Six? I don't think it's that high. No? Sorry, it's not at the tip of my tongue. It shouldn't be. That's what I'm guessing it is. The spread. On Packers, Bears, 
Hang with me. Sure. Three. Wow, they do respect the Bears. So pretty much even. Even. Yeah. That's going to be a battle. And let's just remember now, um, where's my notes on that? Uh, Right here. So last year for that week seven, week 18, whatever, the 17th game, Detroit was eight and eight. The Bears are now eight and eight, seven and nine, excuse me. So this 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 week it's the Bears seven and nine against the Packers eight and eight at Lambeau. Last year it was the Lions eight and eight against the Packers eight and eight. The Lions won that game. And just let me point this out too. When the Li- Packers lost that game to the Lions last year in a pseudo playoff game, they had won twenty eight of the previous thirty two games in Wisconsin against the Lions. They had won twenty four in a row at one point. Now, the Bears at Lambeau, how have they done, Tyler? Since Favre's second year, so that's 30 years of games in Green Bay, Packers are 22-8 and eight against the Bears. So it's the exact same thing all, you know, it's a, it's a repeat of last year. And we'll see if uh, your general manager and that head coach <laughs> have, uh, have learned anything from a year ago. All right, let's just let's just talk some Goody Kiss. Why don't we just get into it, Bob? All right. Let's do it. Okay. So you said last week, average GM, average coach, right? Can I define average? Please. Average to me, there's 32 decision makers in the NFL. Average is 15, 16, or 17. To me, that's solid. Some people think average, there's a negative connotation to it. To me, it's average. I, I look at it as legit. I think a C is a good grade, a solid grade, Tyler, though, in my grading. Most people don't. So I just got them in the middle. Could be better, could be worse. That's fair. And I'm sure a lot of people do agree with you. I think I'm grading more on a curve looking at the quarterback position. Number one, start there, 2020. I think you got to know what you're dealing with, right? With Aaron Rodgers as a player. That was off of 2019, right? Went to the NFC Championship game, lost in San Francisco, 13-3. and In his mind, at the very peak of his powers, all, all of that. And you almost got to look at the person, too. I, I just pulled up uh, the, old, the old Bleacher Report story. Because <laughs> uh, I think it kind of shed a little light on what they're dealing with at quarterback and Aaron. So this is one former Packers personnel man. He described Rodgers as someone who's, quote, really into his feelings, who's not kind of sensitive. He's real sensitive. It's as if Rodgers cannot hear millions of people calling him a walking Hall of Famer. This is my words. As if Rodgers is still the spiky-haired kid free-falling on draft day. Every scrap of negative press, every perceived slight from a teammate, a coach, whoever, quote, bothers him to his core, unquote. This personnel sort said it hurts him. It's like, dude, you're Aaron Rodgers. Relax. People are trying to crown you as the greatest ever. And you've only won one Super Bowl. So you're dealing with you're dealing with a star who is I mean, I think all all stars have egos. All stars can be emotionally fragile. uh, But players to coaches to personnel, they know they really know how this guy ticks, how he's wired. Gutekind's more than anybody. 
So I think you got to start there with the with the balls to take a quarterback. This is the most important position sports. Any team has realized that back to Ron Wolf in 92 on it's it's the Packers to always be drafting quarterbacks, always be thinking two, three years in advance. There were some subtle signs. Maybe there's a little coming off that fastball. Maybe Aaron is getting older. And at the Tom Brady kind of broke people's brains in terms of how long quarterbacks can stay at an MVP elite level. So there was a ton of logic in the draft pick. You know, you're, yeah, you have a Super Bowl window. You take a T Higgins, you're, you're trying to maximize that window. I like the GM who is going to set up the Packers for the next 15 years. And then there's, you're going to hurt feelings. Aaron Rodgers told us all then he, he drank the, uh, Tequila, not his usual scotch, drink tequila. It was very upset. And I'm sure Gudikins knew it was going to get ugly. Maybe didn't know if it'd get this ugly. The next offseason, after Aaron Rodgers wins MVP and loses again in the playoffs, we should say, holds, holds the Packers hostage, makes it clear through allies, Gudikins or me. That was never denied to my knowledge, that report by Yahoo. Gudikins has to leave for Aaron Rodgers to report. I guess it's a long-winded way of saying, I don't think there's a lot of GMs that have the guts to do that, to take a quarterback when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. And he probably knew. I think he's a little smarter than maybe you give him credit for. I, I think, this is me saying it more than somebody telling me directly, I think he knew it was going to piss off Aaron. And we've we've seen Aaron Rodgers pissed off play his best football. That run in 2016, good as it gets. Uh, that's that's a, kind of what gets him going. So I'm sure he wasn't that upset about it. Where I will criticize him is to, to then kowtow and give in and give him that money. And you've noted it was an organizational failure, 150 mil. I mean, they're just drowning in all that dead cap right now. But I, I think that also speaks to the GM's intellect and ability to find talent that here they are in week 18, winning in with Jordan Love in his first year when you've got Bo Melton and Dontavian Wicks and I mean Rasheed Walker at left tackle. The draft, I'd like, if, if we can do it real quick, I mean, we can go through the drafts too. And I, back to Love also, where... I think he, they do deserve criticism for maybe not moving on from from Rodgers when he's holding them hostage and doing all that that offseason. And financially, they're still living those consequences. It did it did give Jordan Love two more years to grow and develop. I think he would have gotten to this point eventually and looked this good. But if you're spin zoning it through the Packers' point of view, I mean – they obviously didn't think he was ready and he had two more years to develop. But you go through the drafts. I mean, to your point, you, you said that you're not really that impressed with the drafts, right? No. And I get it. Gosh, we get, he's been there a long time, hasn't he? We don't have to start at the start, but like Kenny Clark in 2016. But 2017, that's when they trade down, take Kevin King, pass on TJ Watt. You do get Aaron Jones, 182 overall. The next year, pretty no, rough. Josh Jackson, 45. What? 2017 is Ted. That's Ted. Yes. You're right. Right. Man, I'm blurring it all together. He was 2018. Right. Good catch. 
Yeah, because Ted took those two running backs. All right. Man, that one still stings, doesn't it? TJ Watt in your own state. So 2018, Jair Alexander, we spent we spent all podcast episode nearly talking about him. Thanks to all the listeners. I think that was our most downloaded episode of all time. So don't need to get into that too much. 2019, Sean Gary, you noted Brian Burns, probably a better selection there. You can make a good debate for that. Jeffrey Simmons was there too, Christian Wilkins, but it is still hard to find an upper echelon edge rusher. And when he's on, can we agree he's on? I mean, Rashawn Gary worth the contract, worth being somebody you build a defense around? He's you don't pretty, think so? He's been pretty average since the money came, Tyler. He didn't do much in this last game. Uh, I don't know. I'm still middle ground on that guy. Savage, 21st overall. That hasn't panned out. That's a miss. Jenkins, 44. That's a hit. 2020 to take the quarterback. It it could be an open and close case with. I'm here. I'm championing Jordan Love way before you're probably ready to. (laughs) He's got. A lot to prove, a lot to show, and that this game is going to be huge on his resume. But I mean, surprise, surprise! I'm all in on Jordan Love, and if you hit, you're talking nearly half a century of peace and tranquility at quarterback. When you look at these teams like the Vikings and Bears, just spinning their wheels. Uh, Dylan, yeah, started good, hasn't gone well lately at 62. Runyon, he has started three years. He's a sixth rounder. I mean, we could go on and on with these picks. I mean, Stokes, 29th the next year. He's been hurt. Uh, if he's healthy, I'd, I'd love to see him healthy as a mainstay out there. Josh Myers has played better lately. You're going to get into the offensive line soon. Amari Rogers, obviously a miss. McDuffie, McDuffie a hit at 220. And then I think the last two drafts are maybe a little better than we've given them credit for on this show. That. 2022, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt. You had that excellent column right in the moment. And we'll see how it pans out. It's the, the wonder lick, the intelligence factor, an inside linebacker. That that might be difficult for Green Bay to overcome. It's such an important position. Still, you have somebody that will hit you. Who's, who's violent? Who's starting? Christian Watson, 34, hasn't been able to stay healthy. But then Romeo Dobbs, Bob, you just watch these other offenses and you just see what a DJ Moore has done for Justin Fields way back to Diggs for Josh Allen, AJ Brown for Jalen Hurts. It's like, I mean, hell, look at look what look what Jordan Love is throwing to around him. These are, I mean, Romeo Dobbs has been his best weapon. He was 132nd pick just year, just last year. Enek Bari's giving you something. Rasheed Walker, he's at least quelled the storm would you say it hasn't always been pretty but you look at some of these offensive lines hell I'm watching that Patriots offensive line against Buffalo Bailey Zappi's got people in his face the word go it's just a jailbreak snap to snap and then this past draft obviously Jaden Reed slot receiver dinged up here and there he's got 60 catches for 681 and eight touchdowns Luke Musgrave and Van Ness those are projection picks like you've described We'll we'll see. Those are long term projections: size, speed, athleticism, real 
really want to see how those pan out. I don't have an opinion one way or another, but you're getting a lot out of Tyler Kraft and Musgrave out. Dontavian Wicks is giving you about as much as you could hope for. Carl Brooks. What about Carrington Valentine and Corey Valentine at corner? Excellent in this game against the Vikings. But I think that what really puts Brian Gudikins in that bare minimum above average category are the veteran pickups, you know, back to Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, getting that number one seat a few years back. He's they, they scour that waiver wire, man. They, they know how to find players on the scrap heap. Just watching this game against the Vikings. I mean, Jonathan Owens making more plays, Valentine, Bo Melton. You know, I've, I've got a source with the Seahawks, man, they liked Melton a lot. They drafted him late. Was he a seventh round pick? I want to say. I think that they they weren't that thrilled to see him leave, and yeah. he steps in has the game of his life. Malik Heath, he's been a solid blocking receiver. What about Keyshawn Nixon? Man, he was great in this game. Yeah, you then you throw in some more higher price ads like Preston Smith. Like I'm not I'm not saying he's God's gift to general managing in the NFL, but starting with the love selection, knowing you're going to piss off Aaron Rodgers. Standing by it, right? They could have they could have bailed on love after they gave Rogers that money. Try to get spare parts. Not not a fan of just kind of handing the keys to Rogers in terms of carte blanche autonomy. Do whatever the hell you want any day. Like they're kind of undoing that damage, as you see with the Jair Alexander suspension. Uh, but I, th- I think they're in good hands. I do. I, I think that Brian Gutekinds and I, you got to give Lafleur Le- credit for scheming things up against. Brian Flores in their house, down so many players. I want to see what happens when this dead money comes off the books and maybe they can make another another aggressive move or two to help Love out. I didn't change your mind, did I? Well, I got him 15, 16, 17. And you in your summary, you said he's above average. Well, what are how many slots are we arguing about here? I'll you know what? I'd go. I didn't rank them, and it, it, sometimes it's difficult to tell who's really making the calls. E- even here it is, because they both report to Murphy. Uh, and Murphy could have, that offseason, Murphy could have said, okay, Aaron, going to send Brian packing. Instead, stands by his GM, refers to Rodgers as a complicated fella. Oh, my gosh. That, 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 that summer still fascinates me. I, I'd say he's sixth or seventh. I'd put him that high. Okay. Because who else, who else out there, when they drafted Jordan Love and and, and just pushed Aaron Rodgers over the brink, who else was just saying, man, what a great pick. This is smart. I feel like it was Brian Gudikins on an island. There wasn't much public support. There wasn't much support at 1265. Uh, in terms of, I don't know. I mean, it's Aaron, he, he had that locker room. I'm sure a lot of players, veterans on that team wished they got a player who could help immediately. Yet he made the difficult decision. I think Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson have done similar, similar things when they were running the show. You know, he knew that love had a collection of strengths, mentally tough, unwavering, athletic, big arm. Absolutely needed to improve his accuracy, was raw as hell. But what better place than 
in the same room as Aaron Rodgers, where he went through the same exact thing with Brett Favre. It's going to hurt feelings. Favre's feelings were hurt. Hell, he's talked about it. But you can't be afraid to hurt feelings. I think a lot of GMs are afraid to hurt feelings. And it ends up costing them. They hang on to a quarterback a year too long. Hell, they did here. It kind of cost them a bunch of draft picks. But they're, they're never even thinking about taking a quarterback out of Utah State, 26th overall, off of an NFC Championship game. They didn't even think that thought doesn't even enter their mind. And that So that's what got me thinking when we were chatting and you say he's kind of lack of creativity. To me, that is a ultra creative move. I wish people could see Bob right now. Fist resting on his chin. I'm listening. My soul. Listening. I've talked enough. I want to give you an opening. Jump in. They don't want to hear right. me ramble. Tyler, as I've told you since you were 22 or 23, right? You came into our bailiwick that this game changes week to week. So right now we're speaking about Brian Gutekunst. He's finally back at 500. He's eight and eight right now, coming off his best victory of the year. They vanquished the Vikings over there. They have a chance to get into the playoffs in that top 44%. And it's a positive spin. Now, when we did that all North team at week 10, they were four and six. And of the 22 starting positions, Green Bay had one. Um, they are an eight and eight football team. They're, they might have a losing season. They might have a winning season. He's been there through six drafts. Um, they had a 13 and three team against a pretty bad division, partly as a result. And he, did not make the Super Bowl in any of those three times. He got blown out at San Francisco. They got beat on the home field by Tampa Bay, an injured Buck team. And they got beat by Jimmy Garoppolo at home against San Francisco. And then in a de facto playoff game, they lost to the Lions, who had what won there three times in 30 years. He got beat again. So that's four playoff crushing defeats in a row. That's why I got him 15, 16, 17. Now we can go all through the moves he's made. Um, I mean, you know, I think you're a little bit positive when you go over his drafts. I mean, I got him in front of me. And there's a, a ton of misses. Too many, I think. And back when I was really analyzing these drafts, I can't remember all the, all the picks they were thinking of and didn't take. But, you know, the word premium picks goes for first, second, and third round. I see Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, Jay Steenberger. I don't like Darnell Savage. They traded up to get the guy. Degora, Amari Rogers. I mean, that's a total bust. Christian Watson's brittle. Ryan, this game, I loved. We'll get into that in a sec. Van Asper, number 13, I mean, he's really shown very little. Musgrave's been hurt. Uh, now, there are some good picks, certainly. I'm not going to get into Jair Alexander now. No matter what they paid him and what the rankings say, I'm way apart on uh, breaking him down than most people would be, but that's just me. 
Gary's a solid pick at 12. You can quibble about who else is on the board. It's still a terrific pick. Elgin Jenkins is a great pick. Jordan Love, very good right now. I'm not going beyond that. I'll say good right now. I'm not going beyond that. Dylan, I don't like that pick in the second. Uh, Stokes, disappointment. Josh Myers has really come around this year. Quay Walker, we've been all over him in the past. I don't like it. Devontae Wyatt at 26, 28. <sighs> Below average. Christian Watson, good player, but he's brittle. Uh, we talked about Ryan. Lucas Van Ness, Musgrave, we got. Jaden Reed looks like a hell of a pick. Tucker Craft could be a hell of a pick. That's where that is. You know, unrestricted. I mean, he hasn't done much. He's followed Ted's uh, – he had a great second year. He got Amos and the two Smiths, Zedarius and Preston. To me, that's really the best The best moves Brian has made right there. Those three guys were the foundation, really, for a 13 and threes. Uh, Billy Turner helped, too, you know. But since then, uh, nobody of substance in the last uh, four UFAs. And then people they've lost. A great move getting rid of Blake Martinez. Not everybody thought that was the right move. It was. Uh, Jamal Williams left here. He's a better player than A.J. Dillon. Uh, trades. I don't have a list of trades. I'm, I can't think of trades. He's gone up a lot in the draft. He's gone down. I covered all that stuff. I can't cite all that chapter and verse. Street free agents right now, as we speak, we saw a bunch of guys who have contributed. Late picks and street guys like Jonathan Evans has been a good player. Um, I love Zach Tom in the fourth round. That guy is a that's a great pick. Um, and who else has helped? Malik Heath and Melton. You know, I mean, they they're not bad right now. Who knows where they're going to go? Yash Nijman. They got a couple years out of him starting. It was okay. I love the backup linebacker. Eric Wilson is their fourth backer, and in this game, I loved Eric Wilson with the Vikings. He's here as a number four. He gets on that field, and after that opening missed tackle, the guy's a football player. He played the same way he did on that same yeah. field for the Vikings for three years as a starter. Really good move. Uh, the safeties is a disaster. Kason Nixon was a good, I think that was a street signing or unrestricted. I'm not sure. So right now, as we speak, the timing of this, the roster looks uh, pretty good. I go back to no Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers, who some would think is one of the top quarterbacks of all time. I'd put him in the top 20, and that's still a hell of a player. And, um, and then four consecutive crushing defeats in the postseason, either three playoff and no Super Bowl. That's why I put him 15, 16, 17. I'm done. <laughs> well, I think our disagreement comes down to the quarterback decision and how much you really weigh that. Because to me, it's everything. I'd even put a lot of those playoff meltdowns on Aaron Rodgers more than the general manager. Uh, and yeah, the choice to go with love. Because if you hit, it can make... A lot of problems disappear, as you see time and time again. And he listed some of them off there, like late late round guys, street pickups. 
they've been forced to kind of rely on these players. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, but just the dead money, 40 mil that you're still suffering from with that deal you gave Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari gave you 55 snaps, Devondre Campbell hasn't given you much at all this year, J.R. Alexander. Uh, if that, that To me, that's where a criticism comes. It's like you, you paid a lot of players who aren't giving you a lot this year, but even that's not all his fault. I mean, he didn't, he didn't know David Bakhtiari was going to wreck his knee shortly after giving him that deal. It's his third year with knee injuries, Tyler. What do you think is going to happen to Bakhtiari this year? Yeah, but I'm saying the timing. Right, they should have prepared. They should have a, a, a plan B. I'm saying the time in which they gave him that deal. Uh, the Jair Alexander contract warrants some criticism, and that happened after that 49er game we've talked about. Yeah. Hey. This is uh this is what makes football interesting. We'll we'll yeah. see how this season plan plays out. We'll see how Jordan Love's career plays out because I mean if he's a an all pro, if he's playing the way he did Sunday night consistently, you can afford some misses. <laughs> you can. They're an eight and eight team, Ty. I got them right in the middle. And if we were doing this two weeks ago. I guarantee it, kid. Both of us would be talking a lot different. All right, should we go to them by position? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, the receivers. I mean, everything's going to be awesome here, Tyler, and it should be. Jaden Reed, he runs that slot post for that 33-yard touchdown. Ball was beautifully thrown. Uh, LaFleur and um, Stanovich, the OC, they're using this guy well. I saw him at Michigan State. And Mel Tucker did not use him like this. He was a slaughter out wide. I mean, he beat Michigan on a fourth and t- uh, 11 or 10 play that I'll never forget uh, against that nickelback, the first round pick from the Bengals. But now you're seeing his full game. I mean, he's like a, he's like a scat back in motion. They'll flip it to him. He'll run it. He runs reverses, bubbles. Um Runs that deep out off the return motion against Akileb Evans for 15. Great stuff. He's in constant motion. Creates hesitancy in the defense. Uh, Oh, yeah. He gives the dead leg to that LSU guy, Jay Ward. Cuts across the field. 22 yards after the catch. Outran Metellus, who had the angle on him. 25-yard touchdown. Brilliant stuff. Heath. You know, he's replaced Lazard. He just loves to block. He's got free agent uh, enthusiasm. I like the guy for it. Um, Melton from Rutgers. I saw him quite a bit in the Big Ten. I respected him then. Um, blown coverage. Comes across the field. Wide open. Gain of 28. He dropped one on fourth and one at the eight. We, we saw that play. Should have had it. Uh, third and seven. Blackman's too deep. The rookie. Stops, gain of 11, nice play, instincts. Kraft, man, he's wearing people out on those quick flats. The guy can run, and it's just easy yardage. And the Vikings were just a step late, but they're not the only opponent. A bunch of people have been a step late on Kraft. And, you know, a tight end like DeGore doing that gets two, and this guy gets seven because he can run. Dobbs dropped a takeoff on a tough catch. But, again, he's had a pretty good year. Let's go to the old line, okay? 
Well, first of all, this is the first game I've done this. I always used to do it all those years, but the running plays, I just break them down by zone when nobody pulls. That's inside or outside zone. Tosses, I include that in there because there's nobody pulling. Then a gap play, a man man play, whatever you want to call it, was one lineman pulls. And then when they pull a tight end but don't pull a lineman. All right. So zone, they had 22 running plays. The gap, nine. And when they pulled the tight end, that was four. And all of it was effective. They were killing people, Tyler. You know, they're playing Ryan now, the guy from UCLA. Let's look at Ryan. Now, he's been doing this for about a month. Let's look at his numbers. Three-year starter at left tackle. We've never talked about this guy. And I haven't looked at his cameo alternating deal with Runyon that closely until this week. Um, third round pick late six, four and a half, three twenty three. He's a massive guy with really wide, uh, hips and shoulders. He ran five twenty three, Not good, but 29 on the test. He's a bright guy. 34 and a half Burt. Really good. Nine, two broad jump. Really good. His arms are short. That's the problem with him playing tackle 32 and seven ace huge hands, 11 and an eighth. So, Ryan, in this game, Tyler, and I went back and I read about nine or ten of the scout quotes I had on him. He is a finisher. He comes in the second series. He was shoving. He was uh, staring guys down after he would uh, crash into them. He was nasty. I loved it. He gave up half a hurry when uh, Jordan Phillips walked him back. That wasn't good. And then late in the game when they were kind of running out the clock, he took 91, the guy substituting for uh, DJ Wanham, who was really missed, 91, Patrick Jones. He took him 9 to 10 yards downfield. It was utterly embarrassing. You wouldn't want to be Jones in that Minnesota film room. So Ryan really impressed me. And now I think Runyon, I watched him too, and I think he's fighting for his job, and I think that's maybe helped both players. Now there was a play late here in which Jenkins, who also was killing people, he pancakes little uh, Ivan Pace, the little inside backer we've discussed a lot. And on that same play, uh, Runyon was pancaking uh, the undersized DT Sheldon Day. Dylan got six on that play. You don't see that out of the Green Bay lineman. Two pack, two pancakes on one play was pretty awesome. Uh, Myers, um, he was good. He got hurt late in the game. Uh, he had one hold. He gave a flush to Hunter. He played well. And now let's go to Walker. He had two bad runs, one one against Jordan Hicks, one against uh, Smith. Did I screw that up? Oh, uh, Harrison Smith coming off the edge. And he gave up, but only one hurry. Now, Hunter played most of the time against Tom. But he had a little bit over against Walker. Walker had Patrick Jones. Like I said, D.J. Wanham is their second-best rusher out for the year with whatever he had, blown knee or something the week before. Vikings could not overcome that. Now let's go to Tom. Tom's against Danielle, Danielle Hunter. We've talked about him. We know how good Hunter's been. Tom was outstanding. I got no hurries on the guy. I got no bad runs. The guy had an outstanding football game. This is the best this line has played all year. 
it was uh, pretty amazing. Any thoughts on those two groups before we go to QB? You know, Daniil Hunter's got to be one of the most physically imposing players I've ever met in my life. You know, human beings, I should say. Mm, really? He's doing that Viking series before the 2022 season. I just remember, he had, you know, his hands all taped up. It was like, it wasn't a normal hand. Mm. <laughs> he was a giant. Uh, I'm looking at his numbers here. He's been excellent this year. 15 and a half sacks. It's a career high. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 21 tackles for loss, 21 quarterback hits. It's not like he's having a down year or anything. He's He's been a monster. And you're right, he was invisible in this game. Zach Tom, 140th overall pick in 2022. Just another Gudikins find, really. Hell of a pick. Now, <laughs> it, it needs to be said that without Wanham, the Packers indiscriminately double-teamed Hunter. And Hunter had to even move inside on some. They didn't get to many third and longs, but he had to go all over, and he had no respite. They were just either sliding or chipping or doing all kinds of stuff to the guy. Um, it's the way it goes. All right, let's go to the running backs, and then we'll go to Love. Uh, Aaron Jones, second 100-yard game in a row. He looked terrific. Uh, first and 10 on the nine, coming out of their own end. Gain of 26. I don't know what Flores is doing on this. He comes out in a front in which Pace and Hicks, the two inside backers, are both lined up over to the Packers' left, wide left. There was nothing inside. I don't know if it was just a good call or if uh, Love noticed this and checked to that. Then he goes flying off a right tackle. There was nothing there. Right tackle, right guard, again, 26. And the announcer said it was only the second 20-yard rush allowed by the Vikings all year. I don't know if that's true, but Jones is slithery and he's slamming into people. Fresh legs. He looks great. That's another reason this team can beat anyone playing like this. They got They got him. He's not a franchise back, but he's a damn good back and he's healthy. He's ready to go. Dylan, man, he got knocked back by uh, Harrison Phillips one time. He just got drilled and he recoiled and Shot forward for an extra two yards. It was a hell of a second effort. Uh, suffered that stinger, wrist injury, whatever it was. So don't know about him. And then they got Jones and uh, or Taylor and whatever. So that's it there. Now let's go to the quarterback. Um, all right. Love basically was not touched in this game. Now, part of it was he read that blitz and the different stuff from Flores so well that he took the pressure off him by reading it so well. But he also had great performance by the old line. He also had a great running back behind him, and that just shows how good a quarterback can look when you got a line and a running back, man, in a running game. Right off the bat, he threw that bullet ball in the right flat to Kraft for 13. That's the kind of throw he's been kind of hit or miss or just a little off. Right just in his pocket, 13 yards. It was a great play. The first third down, he had Dobbs, and he kind of turned him around. I think, whoa, that was about the last bad ball he had. Uh, they did that hurry up early, trying to take the edge off Flores. It worked. He overthrew Heath. He extended to the left, overthrew Heath on a 16-yard touchdown. All right, they got the field goal. He made a great throw to read on that touchdown with crazy feet on the post. So athletic, I wrote. Third and one on a sneak. He didn't make it. Fourth and one, Melton, all day long he had. 
Um, and he threw a lob to him down in the eight. Got it. Um, he had all day. I said it was a shooting gallery, like seven on seven in that second quarter. I wrote down he has a commanding presence. He stands tall in the pocket. He has stature. The keeper on the one-yard touchdown. The guy's got legs, man. you got to respect those legs, and he heard him there. Uh, the bomb before the half on the Hail Mary, that ball went 62 yards. We had him a week ago or two weeks ago. I measured it at 62. That may be his max. I don't know. Uh, he's falling away sometimes from the pressure, you know, and he hits Dobbs for 12 on and out. He ate up that blitz. The more Flores sent, the better he got. He spins a great ball. He backed away from the blitz. And uh, when the thing was stuffed up by his lineman, he just kind of kept retreating. And then he hit Melton for nine. Uh, Harrison Smith's unblocked coming off the left, off of Love's left. He lowers his arm angle, guns a slant to Dobbs for 12. I mean, this was just shooting gallery, man. Textbook. Uh, he passed off run action. They got all that stuff working, married between run and pass. At last, at the end, he had a miss in the flat after three quarters of perfection. He was barely touched in this game. And then Clifford, uh, he threw that bomb to Melton. I'm sure the Vikings were really pissed about that, as we saw with that offseason late game, end of game altercation. Should have been a 67-yard touchdown. It was fun to see Clifford on the field. That's it for me, Tyler. You know, what stands out with Brian Flores, Dan Pitcher, the Bengals QB's coach, uh, when he's kind of breaking down Jake Browning's game and Cincy uh, for that story we had a couple weeks back, he said that their plan for Cincy was to – show blitz all first half and then back off. Uh, they really wanted to just try to scare the bejesus out of Browning, right? So this is what Pitcher says. If you can make the quarterback fear it, but then not have to deal with the consequences and the weaknesses of actually having brought it, that's part of the illusion of pressure that they present. And I think that was Love's problem in the first game. Uh, that he was He was fine against the blitz when they lost, but... Love was one of seven for four yards with an interception when Flores dropped eight. So that he's they're so good at kind of timing that up. It looks like they're going to send the house, and you don't know who's coming from where, and then everybody shoots back, and you kind of panic, and what do I do now? And he was in total command. I think that was just such a step uh, in his progress as a quarterback to just read the field, see a different game, know who's blitzing, who's dropping. Didn't really matter what Flores was trying to do to him. In Minnesota, mind you, right? Like this is, you got Kirk Cousins with the shirt off, doing the skull chant before the game. That place has every reason to be jazzed up. They, they're still alive, and he shut them up quick. I'd be remiss if I didn't add too that their best corner, Byron Murphy, who's had a hell of a year, didn't play. They were a mm-hmm. mess in the secondary. I, I like all their players. I like Bynum. I like Metellus. I thought I liked Evans. I put him in our old school thing. I thought he was terrible. Andrew Booth's been a bust as a second round pick. I like Blackman, but man, without Wanham and Murphy. Yeah. And the defense being depressed, looking at Jaron, Jaron's six foot hall out there. <laughs> all right, let's go to the DT. Okay. Um, all right. So. The degree of difficulty in the first half was like minus one, you know? I mean, the guy had nothing going. So, and then Mullins 
This team had gained 17 yards on the ground against Detroit the week before. So, you know, the Vikings got a tremendous amount out of their season after losing Cousins, you know? I mean, they really did. And they won some close games, and they got a lot more than anybody ever imagined out of Josh Dobbs. I mean, Jimmy Johnson on halftime of his second start, I heard Jimmy on Fox say, this guy's going to get a ton of money, a barrel full of money. He's a lot better than a lot of starters in the league right now. That's what Jimmy said. Because well, I was going to do that. Coach. I was going to do the story on Dobbs, the the look back on our site, Tyler. And I wrote down that quote from Jimmy off the TV. Thank God I never wrote that. <laughs> All right. The D that's true. Transparency there, Tyler. That's the way this job works. Doesn't it? I like it. Sometimes you nailed Joe Flacco. I did. That was the luck, luck of the draw. Hey, look, all you have to do is find my old story on Lynn Bowden Jr. That I, I, he struck <laughs> me as a player set to uh, take yeah. out. We all, we all, got we all have him. <laughs> all right, the defense. Uh, Rashawn Gary was just kind of average, but the whole front. But he was just average. He was playing against O'Neal, who's back from injury. Um, completely fooled on a bootleg first play of the game. I don't really have him with a pressure. He shed Oliver, the good blocking tight end, for a gain of no gain, but he didn't have much going. Preston Smith did. He got a knockdown around the corner against Derisaw. He has so much ability, mm-hmm. Derisaw, and I like the guy, but I've seen him give up too many sacks, too erratic. Then he gave up a sack to Smith, forced fumble. That was around the corner, and then Preston went out with an ankle, but I think he came back in. So a very good performance by Smith. Anigbari and um, uh, Van Ness, pretty quiet. But I thought the interior rushed really well. The D-line wasn't as good as the O-line, but they were all right. Uh, Kenny Clark, two penalties and offsides and a hold. Uh, He set up a sack by beating the center, Garrett Bradbury. He gets after him every time they played, like two or three times. He he shed O'Neal for a gain of one. He missed a tackle, and he had a hurry against Dalton Reisner, the left guard, and Madison combined. Brooks, the guy from Bowling Green, hasn't done much in the last month, but he got a fumble recovery hustling, and then he got a knockdown on a bull bull rush against Reisner on fourth and four at the nine fourth and incompletion and Wyatt had half a sack against Bradbury Slayton trash Bradbury on one play they all played the run good and Colby Wooden the fourth round pick yeah had a stunt on a hurry against Bradbury um the front was good let's go to the backers Ty um all right so uh Campbell doesn't play for the second straight week Walker uh, he eluded uh, Chandler, the running back, and made a great sack in 2.5 seconds. A wonderful play. He missed a tackle. He ran through, failed, gained the rush was worth 10. Then McDuffie was just okay in this game. I thought he was doing a lot of catching, suffers a concussion. So they bring in Eric Wilson, who we mentioned earlier, uh, the number four backer. He missed a tackle out there in the flat right away, cost him 10 yards but he made a nice fill. He had a knockdown. I like the guy. What a fourth linebacker that is. I mean, Green uh, Detroit's got five or six, but Wilson gives them four. He's a good football player. 
All right, now the secondary. Savage comes back, uh, no missed tackles. He was fine. Owens had a good breakup against the tight end. Man, did uh, did the quarterback, the two QBs, miss Hawkinson? You know, the guy's got 95 catches, and their other – the other they kept throwing a month. He's a stumble bum. Um, all right, Owens had a good breakup against this month, the aforementioned month. The nickelback, Nixon, you know, he's a tough guy. We, he misses tackles, Tyler. We've talked about this all year. He missed one on a screen, but he made a punishing sack off the slot. Um, they got a touchdown catch against him. He had an unnecessary roughness penalty. He made a nice interception, but was ruled out of bounds. Now let's go to corner. So they lose Stokes, hamstring, IR, out for the year, and they suspend Alexander. And I said last week, Tyler, they'd be better off with Valentine and Valentine than the two first-round picks. You did. I'm staying with it. And they'd be better off this week with Valentine and Valentine than Alexander out there. You can say, oh, my God, he's going to cover DJ Moore. No, he's not going to handle Moore. And what is he going to give up? You got that 225-pound Justin Fields roaming the field, running at him. Is this guy going to stick his head in there? No, he's not. Khalil Herbert at 124, I believe, against uh, Atlanta. Is he going to get any knockback against Herbert? We'll see if he can get him down. I'm telling you, they're better with Valentine and Valentine. What they're what they'll do? They'd cause World War III in their locker room if they sat uh, Alexander. Do they want to win the game? That's up to LaFleur and Gutekunst. I don't know. And Murphy. He'd be in on that one. All right, let's look at these guys. Valentine. I mean, he sat out. He was in out of, out of football for a while. Right away, tips a ball. Poor throw by Jaron. Interception. Um, break up on the fade to Jefferson. We know how hard that is, Tyler. Uh, he gave up a crosser to Addison for, I don't know, 12 or something. Now, there's a sideline collision coming with Madison. And you know how hard that Madison runs? And it's tight to the sideline. You either become a wuss and fall down and pretend you're injured, or you, you're going to take pain. And what does this guy do? He just goes head on into Madison. It, I don't think – Madison, he needed another guy to bring him down. Walker came then and slung Madison down about a yard past the collision. Do you see what Walker did with his right hand? Valentine got to his feet, and Walker just real below his waist. He gave him a little really nice, slow, meaningful, low five. In other words, hey, corner, thanks for sticking your neck in there. I won't forget it. You got balls. It was unreal. And then Valentine, he shed Jefferson once, made a really nice tackle for one yard. He fills very, very hard against the run and the pass, whatever. They had no quarterbacks to threaten anybody. So I know Valentine got picked on in the Carolina game, right? Yeah, the week before. That's just how I see it. Valentine and Valentine, that's the way to go. Then special teams, uh, Carlson hit from 34-37. His kickoffs were all over 4.0. Missed his fifth extra point of the year, wide left. Eric Wilson had two really good hits on teams. Welch, the kid from uh, rural Wisconsin, had a good hit. 
Anthony Johnson, the young safety, had a big hit. Toure fumbled that punt after Heath got hurt, and they didn't want to put Nixon back there. Toure fumbled. So that's it for Green Bay. They're 8-8, eight and eight, and they win it 33-10. to 10. And the Bears are a different Bears bunch than week one, says Bobby. You called this middle of the season. People probably thought you had three heads noting how good this Bears roster was. That's when I did that NFC North team, Tyler. And those scouts really opened my eyes about their offensive and defensive linemen and on sweat. Yeah, and they're a good team right now. Are they as good as Detroit was in week the last game last year? Probably not, but I think it's no. close. No. No? I don't know. I just uh, I feel like there's just so much on the line for this team, and I feel like this quarterback's in a different headspace than that quarterback was that season. You know, you remember that site immediately. 12 and 18, somberly, emotionally, departing the field, very theatrical. Just he, he played like a quarterback who had one foot out the door that fourth quarter. I think I think that love is in the zone right now. And it and it's not gonna matter what Chicago does. Uh, could be. Could be. But you could play this clip back next week and laugh in my face. But I think I think love is on a heater right now. Yeah, well, that's the word, isn't it? This on a heater. Everybody's saying that. <laughs> oh right? God, I gotta stop. I gotta. St- I'm sorry. That's <laughs> sorry, T. Oh no, thanks for calling me out. That's pathetic. Can't, can't, I can't be using that word. All right, should we go to the Lions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the Lions. Um, should we go to the call right away? Yeah, let's go to the call. So Tyler. Yes, Campbell was trying to be a little sly, right, by sending Decker over there with our sending 58 Sewell over there with Decker, and then here comes Skipper running on. He wanted to sow a little confusion, but he had explained the same thing, the entire play to one of the, either to the referee or one or two of his uh, other officials. He, It's a little bit of gamesmanship, but that's not illegal. It's up to the referee to get this thing right. But who's, who's the official, Tyler? Brad Allen, number 122. But Brad wanted to speed up the game. He wanted to just hurry the thing. And he, he pointed at Skipper, and then he just ran off. Ran off to tell the, uh, the Cowboys that he assumed Skipper had reported. Now, we saw Goff in the huddle point to Decker after the previous play. In other words, get your ass over there and check in, right? You know what's coming. Goff had just gotten the call from Brett, uh, J- Ben Johnson immediately, sent him over there. There's 30 seconds left, 35 seconds left. All right, he goes over there. Now, Sewell's never been asked why he went over there, but he did. All right, that's not a, that's not a crime. And here comes Skipper, who bought maybe – how many snaps did Skipper play in this game? He played two. So only extra points don't count. So they gave him two snaps 
during the uh, 60 minutes. Twice, uh, you know, he had told the Cowboys, all right, 70s uh, eligible. He assumed it. Skipper Goff said that I know two things. I, I know Decker reported and I know Skipper did not. Decker said he reported, said those words. I'm, I'm eligible. I'm reporting. Skipper said he did not report. So, and Allen said whatever he said that Skipper did and Decker didn't, right? All right, is there any other elements of this thing? It's, it's just Brad Allen trying to cover his ass and, and the Lions getting screwed. Am I... Am I right here, Tyler? Is there any other thing we should discuss? No, that's 100% my interpretation. And nobody likes talking about officiating this much. It's not fun to see games tainted like this, but it's truth. It's, gosh, you got, I'd be so pissed if I was Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, anybody with the Detroit Lions. It was, uh, a great call, great execution. They let them know in advance what was coming. They report. They did everything they were supposed to do. And uh, I know that we're more connected than ever with social media and replays from all these different angles. So I, maybe that has something to do with it. But I, I feel like we haven't talked about officiating to this extreme in my lifetime I feel like they're injecting themselves into the action more than ever. I feel like every spring more rules are introduced that only sow more confusion. It's just nonsense. Uh, Nobody tunes in to watch the officials yet. Big moments calls are made. And I think that, that that's what has to be most frustrating. It's not, it wasn't like a it wasn't a judgment call. This this was so different. It wasn't like a, a play transpired and they're looking at it and then looking at the replay and deciding one thing. It it was very elementary. And they couldn't help themselves but get in the way of the action. So Do it's only gonna hey, as the NFL kind of uh, wraps its warm loving arms around gambling in the in public perception, right or wrong, sure doesn't help to have finishes like this. So, Tyler, had Brad Allen told the Cowboys Decker was eligible, do you think the play would have turned out any differently? Or would the Cowboys just have blown off Decker? They're not thrown to that guy. Hmm. I'm I give sure. 1%, 1% chance of difference, I'll say. I mean, they weren't totally – It wasn't. he wasn't all by himself. No. He, he had a defender within about two yards of him. It required a good throw and a good catch. Isn't that what is the, the worse than anything is the pool report. And then the, like you said, covering their ass, just talking in circles, making excuses, zero accountability, right? Just a player screws up. He's got to answer for it. A lot do coaches. Same thing. Officials. It's just these pathetic, embarrassing ring around the rosy responses that make it all worse. Like just own it. You screwed up. Say it. So Campbell was asked on the game was Saturday night. Campbell was asked on Monday noon. um, The question was what he would tell Detroit fans who believe the NFL holds biases against the lions. Dan's response. Don't do that. Don't do it. 
I know, I get it, but don't do that. Don't buy into that. Don't live in that world, man. They will just pull you down. And if it makes you feel any better, the NFL is against every team, all right? Because, look, I was at New Orleans, so I know what that feels like, right? <laughs> then he goes, uh, we got a taste of what it's like, but we've still got a chance. We haven't even started the tournament. So this is, I think it's a blessing. And I would tell fans, don't do it. Don't even believe that. And then he says, do you think uh, your players? Oh, yeah. Well, then he said, we're fueled by octane. And he said, do you think your players are fueled by octane to finish out the season? He said, we built this roster for a reason. They'll be just fine. So Dan was pissed on Saturday night, obviously. And then he's trying to look at it in a mature way and trying to help his team forget about it, huh? Yeah. Well, it doesn't do any good to stand there and wallow. No. That's for sure. No. All right. So let's look at the Lions, T. Um, you know, this game really wasn't very important to the Cowboys. They're kind of locked into number five, right? Well, yeah, but now no. they never thought the Eagles no. would lose. Right. Eagles lost <laughs> to the Cardinals. Two. Yeah. All right. But I didn't think they, all right. So there were the first half, the 92 yard touchdown when Barnes blows the sack and the safety, right? It turns into a 92-yard, 10-point, 9-point swing. The fumble by Lamb as he goes in for a touchdown, and it's a touchback. Love that rule, by the way. Love it. Oh, you love that rule. Hold on to the ball if you're going to cross the ball. So they want to change that rule, don't they? If you're going to be diving out like that, trying to stick the ball over, hang on to the ball. You should be punished if you fumble there. I agree. That's it, Ty. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's look at the positions. Um, St. Brown played every snap, all 69. So did Laporta. You don't see that in this day and age. They made a maximum effort to win this game. All 69 snaps for a wideout and a tight end? St. Brown. He is deadly serious. He beats, beats Bland across the uh, across the field on a slot over early for 23. See him uh, just stare at uh, Bland. Not enough to get a taunting, but just kind of stared at him. He's a punishing runner on bubbles. And every other game, he runs that end around off motion. He's always averaging about 10 on the thing. He's got a nose for the end zone, 10-yard touchdown. All right, Laporta. Two missed blocks to start the game. One on Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence? Is that right? DeMarcus. Yeah, DeMarcus. And one on uh, Dante Fowler. He had a uh, he had a drop, 12-yard pass. He had a bad run. He didn't cut off Parsons. So he did not have a very good game blocking. Um, let's talk about Mitchell. Missed the block on uh, Nickelback on a reverse to J- uh, Jamison Williams. Got a holding penalty, wiped out a 35-yard run, and he dropped the ball at the end on the one. Uh, Jamison Williams. Third and two, he runs an in. He got no separation against Jordan Lewis. Poor route, incomplete. He handles the ball carelessly. I think he's an accident waiting to happen all the time, Tyler. How many fumbles has he got? 
He probably, I mean, he hasn't had the ball that much. He's only got 24 catches. Has he fumbled? Yeah, once, didn't lose it. Um, he's a very effective blocker downfield. He really gives it up. Uh, man, you know, you don't see many wideouts just running a pure takeoff to the post, to the post when there's, you know, there's at least one safety back there with no play action. But this guy is so fast. He just flat, just ran against Bland and he was like four yards behind him and he caught that ball for 63. And Bland was nine yards off at the snap of the ball. Safety was whatever he's doing. He just zoomed right by him. The guy is so crude still, but he is dangerous. All right, Reynolds and Raymond, we know them. Um, okay, let's go to the old line. A lot of problems in this game. Dallas has got a good front. You know, Jonah Jackson, the left guard. I got him for four bad runs in this game and one and two knockdowns. You know, he's up for big money. And I don't know what the Lions are going to do with the guy, but he's got to play better football than that. I mean, those people inside, yeah, Oduizua is really quick, but Hankins, the nose didn't even play. Mozzie Smith from Michigan's been a pretty significant disappointment. All right, um, Ragnow gave up a sack to Dorrance Armstrong on a stunt. Um, he's just a good player. He's one of the best in the business. Decker, one flush to Fowler, one flush to Parsons. Uh, he blew a third and one at the end of the half. He missed Demarcus Lawrence, minus four on the ground, and uh, should have had the winning score on the pass. Sewell blocked against Parsons all day. Tyler, I only got him for one pressure, one knockdown. This is one of Sewell's best games. We saw Sewell get killed by Rashawn Gary about a month ago at Detroit. Sewell really played well in this game, and he had Parsons all day long. Graham Glasgow, the right guard, one penalty. I didn't think he played great. Uh, three pressures, one bad run. Um, okay, that's it on the whole line. All right, let's go to the running backs. Uh, didn't get a whole lot done, you know. Gibbs dropped a swing pass. He's a north-south guy. He's gutsy. He's modest. He had a 35-yard run called back. He had 43 snaps. Montgomery only had 27. Montgomery showed great patience on a third and three. He waited uh, for Sewell to pull and get Armstrong, and he got 10 yards on the thing. He got tackled in the open field by one guy, Donovan Wilson, who cut him down. Very disappointing. Um, third and two from three, picked his way for a touchdown. He's a good player. All right, let's go to Goff. Um, they had to stay out of third and long. The Cowboys really rushed the passer tee. And Dan Quinn, he, he's unpredictable as a coordinator. Joe Witt sitting right next to him in the press box always. Hands on the side of his head. You can see Joe every now and then when they cut to the standing Quinn, right? All right, Goff. But he's a stationary target for the Cowboys, you know? I thought their line played well protecting him in this game. Play action, very good 20-yard shot to St. Brown. You know, when those two guys throw off play action, I mean, it's poetry in motion. St. Brown runs off that darn uh, slot, and he picks a – I think he's got an option to go in or out. 
man, when he breaks, that ball's on him. They threw that throwback over there, to, uh, and it did not fool Jordan Lewis, and that was the interception. He had a bad interception and threw into three guys at the five-yard line. Terrible. He just missed Laporta then on fourth and goal at the four after Campbell questionably went for it. Um, in a little tiny way, Goff is able to sidestep in the pocket like Tom Brady did. You know, just a little bit. He's got a little bit of that sidestep in him. He threw the bomb to Jamison Williams with a knockdown right at him from Parsons. One of the best balls that uh, Goff's ever thrown. 63 yards. You don't think he has that in him? He threw that thing about 50. Um, all right, 205, 233 left. He's got the ball in his own 11 with two timeouts, and he throws the pick on the sideline to Laporta. Uh, Wilson jumped the route. Goff had Montgomery on a check down. He was open. He, Goff looked just distraught about it on the bench. Okay, they get the ball back after McCarthy makes a horrible mistake by throwing that ball and costing oh. him 45 seconds. You got a thought on that, Ty? Just typical late game tomfoolery for Mike McCarthy. This is why I just can I can't put Dallas in a in, in any Super Bowl projection. I, I can't see them getting past San Francisco and even a, a Lions team in the playoffs just because of him, because of mistakes like that. It's gonna be something. It's always something. All right, he gets the ball back at his own twenty-five with one forty-one left, down seven, no timeouts. Has a great drive down the field, right? Um and then he threw the ball in the flat to Mitchell, ultimately on the third play. He got picked on second down, but I think he knew uh, Parsons was offside, so he took a chance he normally wouldn't take there. I believe that. All right, now the ball's on the three and a half or the four. Throws in the left flat to Mitchell. Was not a good throw. A little late, a little short. Could have won the game. He didn't make a good throw. And they lose it. After all the controversy, they still had a chance to win, and it didn't happen, you know. Mitchell was an odd choice, but there would have been people tighter ahead at Ben Laporta. I don't buy that. All right, that's the Detroit offense, Tyler. You keep right. going. I've got, I got okay. a thought on Dan Campbell, but I'll save it. Uh, okay. Post Bob McGinn rundown here. Great. All right, so let's go to the D. Um You know, the difference in this game is that I think Dallas has just got more pass rush than Detroit. Now, maybe if you're playing in Detroit, it, that evens out. But even as great as Hutchinson was in this game, they don't have anybody else. They've tried all these guys, and they just don't come through. And the other general remark, well, you know, kind of like the Packers, Detroit is playing retreads. Bruce Irvin the pass rusher, number 51, he got 18 snaps in this game. Alu Alu, the like 33-year-old former number one pick, played a lot with the Steelers yeah. and the Jags. He started ahead of Bugs and Benito Jones. He had 34 snaps in this game, made his first start. And then Vildor, he started and played all but one snap. 
He's starting out there at left corner against sometimes C.D. Lamb. I mean, they're trying to patch it up and make do. They're a, a, a championship contender. You got to call them that at 11 and 5. They're doing it with some retreads. And then, I don't know. These remarks I made in the first half, but I've just seen this Detroit team so much. And I better know what I'm looking at when I say this. But I've seen a lot of teams play hard, and I think I know to how to define that. This Detroit team, there's no showboating. There's no screwing around. you got coaches dead serious. Randall L. over there, Mark Brunel, Aaron Glenn, Dan Campbell, all NFL veterans. They're not putting up with any, any bullshit. I see sheer hustle from guys like Kaminsky, Benito Jones, Bugs. These people are just chasing out of the, out of the scrum on screens. Um, what else did I write down? The wide receiver blocking, the cornerback hitting. They just get after you. I mean, if you're not right, really are going to get a 60-minute game. They don't care about the score or nothing. Those coaches are on these people. I can just imagine what it's like behind closed doors. I'm going to just read one thing uh, after the game Saturday night that Montgomery said about Campbell, the running back, David Montgomery. Like I said at the beginning of the year, we got a ballsy coach, and I would not, wouldn't want to have any other coach. Dan is the ideal perfect head coach in the NFL. He coaches with passion, but he's not coaching to yell at you. He wants you to learn and be the best version of yourself. Uh, and however that looks, he does that. All right, so let's look at the D. And you talk about Campbell later, Tyler, okay? Hold your thought. All right, let's go to Hutchinson. He had a huge game. He got a sack against Tyron Smith, 3.0 seconds. He got a sack against uh, the ex-Badger, the center, Tyler Biotish, in 2.7. And he got a sack on a spin against the right tackle, Terrence Steele, late, 2.5. And that uh, caused allowed Detroit to get the ball back. He also had a, uh, a knockdown against Steele. Um, yeah, they stood him up over center a few times on third and long just to try to free the guy. And I think Biotish might be their weak link, although he's not a bad player. He's had a good career. He's a fourth-round pick, better than I thought he was going to be. Tackle for loss, he trashed the ex-Badger tight end, Ferguson, who's described as a tough guy. Didn't see it here. He shed uh, Ferguson at the point of attack for minus one. Ferguson missed him on a cutoff for minus one. So three times he ruined run plays against Ferguson. I don't know what the deal is with that guy. Uh, Hutchinson was unreal. But then all the other ones. So let's look at the snap counts. Hutchinson plays 57, 5-7 of 65. Mm-hmm. All right. They got Bruce Irvin, 18, Romeo Aquara, 9. Charles Harris, four. They played Campbell out there on a few snaps. They played Derek Barnes out there on a few snaps. They're just grasping at straws. Glenn doesn't know what to do, so he has to blitz more. It puts more pressure on this, on the corners that are their weakness, and it's just a vicious circle. And, Tyler, I don't think they can get to the Super Bowl doing that. I just don't. Now that they've lost home field because they got screwed on this, if they win the first game, just don't see it. Uh, inside players, they got to get McNeil back. He's their second best rusher, and he might be back this week. That is huge. 
They also might get Gardner Johnson back this week and maybe Houston at some point. All right. The inside guy, Alu Alu didn't do really anything. Pascal, who plays the five tech, not much. Kaminsky, five tech, not much. Benito Jones and Bugs, not much again. Uh, they played against the run pretty well against good people, you know, good guards and everything. Uh, a good off front for Dallas, but again, there's just there's just not much there. All right, the linebackers, um, Anzalone. There wasn't a whole lot of change in this game. They stuffed the run. They made their share of missed tackles. Barnes on that third and thirteen sack on the safety sack. I looked at that play fifteen times. You know what I really think happened here? Hmm. I think he was afraid of roughing the quarterback. Third and thirteen. He thought the ball was going to go out right away, but it didn't because Dak pump faked. And then the pump fake screwed up Barnes. He did not want to get a roughing the quarterback. You know, he figured, well, all right, they're going to have to punt. That ball's not going to be completed. And it's completed for 92 yards. You know, did, did that strike you at all? That the way this game is costing him a safety, you know, yeah. Yeah, no. He just backed off, man. And yeah. Barnes is one of the most violent players in the league. He would have decimated him had he not been worried about this. Had this been 10 years ago, Prescott would have been injured. Uh, I just surmised he thought it would be uh, a penalty. That's the right. int- um, it's not an unintended consequence. That's the intended consequence of <laughs> all these flags and fines and BS we see. Yeah. I'd love to interview Barnes on that play. Um, all right, then Campbell was okay. All right, let's go to the secondary. Uh, Kirby Joseph made that great breakup on that 35-yard seam to Ferguson. I mean, he looked good getting down the seam. Great reaction. Made a couple good tackles, too. Melifano missed a tackle on C.D. Lamb. Um, made a really good sideline interception on the scrambling Prescott to Lamb. Hell of a play. How many picks he got? Like four already? And um, Cooks beat him on a touchdown. Number three man to the right. Beat him the outside. Man coverage. Eight touchdown. All right. Let's look at the corners. Well, Sutton's questionable with a toe. So he's got to go up there. And when Lamb's on his side, he's got him. They didn't switch sides. Vildor was left. Sutton was right. Um, 13 for 227. 17.51. All right, so you subtract the 92 against Vildor, you got 135. So that's kind of what it is, really. 12 for 135. Um, Sutton does not have that much. Let's look at him, Tyler, to start. Let's look at Detroit. Let's see what he ran coming out a long time ago. I forgot. All right. The Steelers draft him, right, in 2017 in the third round. He's 5'11", 187, and he ran 4'5", 5, 5. So what's he run now? 4'6", That's what you're talking about. He was a four-year starter in college. He's got tiny hands, eight and a quarter. He's got short arms at 30. He's tough. He plays with passion. He's a tough zone player. It's the exact same thing he is now as it was in college. But he's just not really good enough, Ty, you know? I mean, he's physical. He will tackle. 
I like how professional he is. He's just not that good. And then uh, Vildor. All right. You can't go cover CD, CD Lamb on, for six seconds or whatever the hell it was. 92-yard score, 50 yards after the catch. Five receivers were out. Cover zero, no safety, six-man pressure. It's toast. All right. So 95% of that is on Barnes, 5% on Vildor. Is that being too nice to Vildor? I'm going to trust your judgment on that one. All right. Thanks, Ty. Um, (laughs) He forced the fumble on Lamb. He got one back for the team. He gave up one tee, took one back, illegal contact. He's a tough kid. He's playing. I mean, he wasn't even on the team at the start of the year, T, and he's starting. All right, Branch, two fine breakups early, one against Ferguson, one against Lamb. Missed a tackle on Lamb. He's a hitter. He's a good football player. All right, and let's go to the the special teams. Badgley hit a couple, 41 and 30. Fox kicks off good. Punts are almost always good. They ran the fake punt. Dan got one over on him. Reeves Maben, an ex-high school QB, threw one to Dorothy Dorsey for 31. Um, did not get any points out of that. And Khalif Raymond, I think, had a season long of 25 yards on a punt return. So that's it for Detroit. They're 11 and 5, T. Yeah. On Dan Campbell, I would just say there's a fine line on aggressiveness, and I loved all of it throughout the game. The fake punt, the fourth and four, later that drive, you're you're really – everything that he says after these games, and I love how you pull out the quote sheet and and kind of relay it to the listeners here, he, he backs it up in action. It's not like he's talking tough and then coaching a different way. He's not saying we're going to be this aggressive team and we play to win and I believe in my guys and then go into the fetal position when it's a nut cutting time, right? It, he, he backs it up. He's, he's always going to be aggressive and believe in his players. And I think that that can empower a player on the individual level. But after they get hosed, Right after the Taylor Decker euphoria turns into dismay and who knows what's going through Dan Campbell's mind in that split second. Why why not just kick the extra point, get to overtime, right? Like, why not take a deep breath say, okay, it's a little tougher now. Let's just extend the game. Seriously, let's cut our losses, keep playing football. That seemed like the line to me because – I loved everything Brent Staley was doing for a while with the Los Angeles Chargers, and then he just got crazy and cost the team a playoff berth. The next year, he blows that 27-3 lead to Jacksonville, whatever it was in the wild card, and then the next season, he's fired. So you've got to have restraint somewhere. I'm not sure where exactly that line is. It's different game to game. but I, And I think Dan Campbell has a feel for games better than any coach in the league. Man, that just seems like a spot where could have tapped the brakes a little bit. But I loved everything else through the game. Going for two in that spot, there's no hesitation. The the fake punch, you like that? Yeah, it worked. I mean, you know, even if it didn't work, it didn't work against Green Bay. 
Right. So that would have been a 38-yard attempt for Badgley. What are the odds on a 38-yard under pressure to kick the extra point? 90? Yeah. 92? 90? Yeah. What are the odds on a seven-point try, seven-yard try? Not that high. What do you think? 40? It's so con- so condensed down there. Yeah. Yeah. You almost need an element of uh trickeration. Right? Not I was gonna say not necessarily yeah. flinkiness, but it's it's like you've got a play in your back pocket that you're gonna use in that moment. That's where it's gotta sting extra for the Lions. It's like they've had that play, it works. And for what? You get you lose the game. So Okay, good point, Tyler. Yeah. Um, one thing before we go to the begin memory, I just want to mention this. The Packers are 3-0 and against the division on the road. Mm. That's pretty impressive. It is. 22-year history of the NFC North now. It's, uh, the pa- How many times do you think they've been 3-0 and in those 20, 22 years? You on the me. road. Seven times, seven three and zero. I mean, the Lions were terrible, you know. So overall, right now in twenty two years on the road in the division, thirty nine and twenty four. I mean, McCarthy ruled the division. Lafleur has ruled the division. That's how they won. That's that's truly how they won, and that's been the secret to the Packer run of uh, run of success. It's not a dynasty. It's not a juggernaut. You know, but they're very good football all the time. All right, so the McGinn memory. Tyler, you just got to forgive me. I'm not real excited about the playoff picture. (laughs) 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 We've been seeing, they started the graphic around Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The playoff picture. Get them in the hunt. (laughs) And aren't they happy to put that graphic? Oh, my God, 26 teams are still in the hunt. Only six have been eliminated. That was entering the weekend or something. I think that was during the Dallas game Saturday night. The Giants were hanging around on that graphic for a while. So let's just look at the history of NFL playoffs. So the playoffs started in 1933. Two teams, you know. Mm -hmm. And and it went that way until – well, I don't know. And it went that way until like 67 or something. Yeah. Okay. So from 67, to, I'm just going to look at the NFC. And that's when they subdivided the Western Conference into, into the Central Division and the Coastal Division. I can't remember. So in the NFC, two out of eight made it for those first three years, 25%. From 70 to 75, four out of 13 teams made it, 31%. From two years, 76 and 77, four out of 14, 29%. 78 to 89, a 12-year run, five out of 14 made it, 36%. Fewer teams then, Tyler. That's when you were just a not even a thought yet. 90 to 94, 6 out of 14, 43%. 2000 to 
Then 95 to 01 after expansion, six out of 15 down to 40%. Then with the whole new reconfiguration, 32 team, first time, 02 to 19, six out of 16, 38%. And now since 2020, we're at seven out of 16 and a league high 44%. So it's all about money, more games, more fan excitement, buying more t-shirts and paraphernalia and whatnot, right, T? At 44%, I think it's too many. I just, I don't like things watered down. And I know the NHL has unbelievable number of teams, right, Tyler? And the NBA, they were ridiculous. Good luck wrapping your mind around how hockey does things. Okay. And the NBA's got maybe half the teams? I don't know. And baseball's got more and more. It's all money, money, money. But... I just happen to be a purist on this stuff. So, and I know the reasons. Now, let's look at the Detroit Lions, for example. From 52 to 57, they won three titles and lost in another title game. Um, and remember, if two teams were tied in either the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference, then there was a playoff game. All those years, there'd be a playoff game, you know, if there was a tie for the title. But then, when, I mean, when I was growing up in Upper Michigan and just coming of age in the early 60s, uh, my brother was a Lion fan, so I was interested in the Lions. Packers were 110 miles from my house, and we watched them more, but I was obviously aware of the Lions. They finished second to Green Bay in 1960 at 7-5. and five. No, no, no second, no play, no wild card. 61, they finished second to Green Bay, 8-5-1. and one. 62 was the real crusher. Green Bay's 13 and 1, Detroit 11 and 3. That's 786 winning percentage. They get nothing. Now, have you heard of the uh, the playoff bowl, Tyler? Mm-mm. It was also called the runner-up bowl. That you don't know. No. From 60 to 69, the two second place teams played in this game. It did not count in NFL stats. It was played at the Orange Bowl for 10 years. The first nine times, a week after the title game, and then the last year, it was the day before the title game. Lions were in three of those in the three years I mentioned. They won three times. All right, so now it all changes in March of 1990. They let two more teams in, and I'm reading a New York Times story by uh, Jerry Eskenazi. He was a great sports writer. March 2, 1990, NFL owners meetings, and they allowed two more teams in. And that's going to increase the television revenue, thirteen million a team, up to thirty million a team. Boy, what's it now, Tyler? I don't know, five hundred million a team. The TV deal, I have no idea. At the time, the NHL have sixteen of twenty-one in the playoffs. That's what Jerry writes, and that's thirty some years ago. All right, so let's look at in nineteen eighty-nine. As everybody knows, I think. The Packers went 10-6, and six, and it was a glorious, magic, Don Mikowski year, right, Tyler? Yes. 10-6, and six, no playoffs. The next year, they would have been in. They added the extra playoff in 90. They would have made it. So how many teams got screwed with 10 victories? 10. And one team, the 85 Broncos, failed to get in at 11-5. and five. Now, did the Packers really get screwed? 
their point differential was only plus six that year. That's the second worst of any of those 12, 10, and six teams. But how did that thing shake down? They beat the 49ers at Candlestick, right? They did. Greatest victory since the ice ball. It was. I wrote that that afternoon out of Candlestick. It was, Tyler. Mm. What a shocker. 21-17. There it is. All right. So on Christmas Eve, boy, I remember this. The Pack's out there against Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. They're 1-14 with Troy Aikman under center, the rookie signal caller from UCLA, right? And they finished 1-15. The Pack beats them 20-10. to 10. I wanted to get home so bad with uh, the bosses approved us. Uh, flying home that night, we rode on the plane. I'll never forget that. We hustled <laughs> to the Dallas airport and got back to Green Bay around 11 or something, and we wrote the stories uh, and then dictated them when we got back. But anyway, the Dick back Dictated them game, over the phone? I think that's what it was, yeah, in oh. Chicago or something like that. 24 to 10. This game was 10 to 10 in the uh, fourth quarter. Green Bay had to have this, um, and they won this game. Now they needed two things to – they're 10 and 6, a gain of 4 and 12 the year before. This was a massive, all of Green Bay was excited meeting him at the airport. It was a huge season, Infani, coach of the year. So, in that locker room that day at Texas Stadium, there was one TV set on Tyler. There's no phones, there's no internet, there's nothing. There's one TV on in the corner of the Packer locker room. And who's watching? Well, Let's read Don Langenkamp's story in the Press Gazette, my late great uh, colleague. Uh, who was in that group? They're watching a game between the Patriots and the Rams, and they needed the Patriots to win. That would have clinched the wild card berth, and it's getting down near the end. So everybody's clustered around the TV. Bob Harlan, team president, former team president Bob Perrins, the judge. All coaches and about a dozen players. Don wrote the, wrote the sidebar on this. The Patriots drive to the Rams four with nine seconds left. Steve Grogan is the QB. Bang, bang, bang. Three incompletes in a row and the game is over. Patriots lose. Rams are in the playoffs as the wild card. About a dozen players uttered a loud expletive and return to their cubicles to shower and dress. But that night, on Monday night, a night later, Christmas night, December 25, that night, the Vikings were hosting the Bengals in Boomer Esiason. If the Vikings won, they win the NFC Central. If the Bengals beat them, the Pack's in as division champions. The Vikings now, that's their longest drought. We discussed this last year. They haven't won one in nine years. They haven't won the division in nine years. Unheard of after the Bud Grant era. So what happens? Let's go to a couple more stories. The Bengals win this thing a whole line, 29 to 21, and the pack is out. So there's a watching party over at linebacker Brian Noble's house. And media's over there. I'm over there and whatnot. And a um, bunch of players watching this. And a former Packer tight end, Brent Novoselsky, catches the winning pass right at the end, Tyler. And Brian Noble, here's what he says. Have you ever been to a funeral? 
He was asked his reaction to this defeat. Cost him the playoff, Bert. Bert. Noble says, if we could get in the playoffs, who knows how far we could have gone. It's a Cinderella story, but we were left holding the glass slipper. We'll <laughs> never know if the shoe would have fit. Um, Jerry Burns, the Vikings coach, the late fun guy, Jerry, he said, it's the biggest game I have ever won in 38 years of coaching. He coached with on Lombardi's staff in Green Bay, and he's been an assistant for six Super Bowl teams in Green Bay and Minnesota. So how did this thing end? Uh, I don't know. So anyway, three, two months later, the NFL had a change of heart, added the two teams. Green Bay would have made it. And just as an adjunct, two days later, Coach Infani conducted his postseason presser, okay, on December 27. And what did Lindy say? I'm confident we can take the next step, said in his 55-minute season ender. Next year, I hope the team's even better. I would expect it to be better. And um, that's about it, Tyler. One more thing I want to mention. So, again, the Press Gazette, that night of the Viking game, they sent reporters out to some of the uh, establishments in town in Green Bay. The reporters, Alice Paulson and Paul Shrubus, they went to the Candlestick Lounge downtown. You remember that, Tyler? I don't. No. That was the big drinking bar in town. They went to the Playmore Lounge out on West Mason. And they went to Grand Central Station on West Mason. And they interviewed some of the uh, some of the Packer fans. You can't complain, said one fan. You know, we gave it our all, but I just hate Minnesota. Another one said, yeah, that's about it. So, Tyler, that's it on that memory. It was a tough way to go. And, and then, of course, the next year, they had two more bad years on. And finally, he was gone. And then the whole thing turned with Ron Wolf, Bob Harlan's ascension, Mike Holmgren, and then he, and Brett Favre. That postseason, too, the Vikings had a bye. Like, and you look at San Francisco's run at the Super Bowl. They pounded the Vikings in the divisional round, 41-13. Pounded the Rams in the NFC Championship game, 30-3. to And then obliterated the Broncos, 55-10. to And that's who Green Bay beat. They were one of San Francisco's two losses that season. You know, one of the best teams of all time. That was the last game the Niners lost that year, too. I remember that. Brett Fullwood had a great, great game, yeah. Hmm. That was a shock. So moral of the story, if your team makes the playoffs, whoever you're rooting for, quell your excitement. Curb your enthusiasm. You're so saying it's Tyler, not that Green, much of an accomplishment. No. <laughs> if Green Bay wins their number six. Yeah, I think they'd go to Dallas. But if the Rams win, the Rams are number six. And Green yes. Bay could would be number seven if they can beat the Bears. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Done. So if okay. they if, so seven if would send you to six, Dallas. If they're number six, they're at Dallas. If they're number seven, no, no, number Detroit. six, they're at Detroit, probably. Right. Number right. seven, they're probably at Dallas. Both hard games. Well, they're gonna be hard, yeah. Well done, Bob. Well, well done. Well done for you, Ty. 
All right. Let's uh, take a little break here and pod again soon. When we pod next, you'll know if the Michigan Wolverines are national champions. Do you want me to tell you what happened in that other semifinal game? Or I'll shoot you, Tyler. I will. I really will. <laughs> I have not turned on my internet, my TV, my radio, nothing. I'm going to watch that game right now with my depth charts, my college prospects, and I'm taking notes on both teams. Well, thanks for carving out a couple hours for us here. Bob. <laughs> that was great. And thank you, everybody, for reading, for listening. GoLongTD.com will have many more pods, many more stories. Just getting started here. So thank you. Mm-hmm.